times. Real life is stranger than fiction. This is a reality trip with Ben Farmer Jr. Hello, everybody. This is Ben Farmer Jr. Thank you for joining us today on Reality Trip. Um, I'm not going to sing the intro because this is actually our second take because <laughs> supposedly I was singing on the last intro to. <laughs> I really wasn't trying to sing. I was trying to introduce myself and supposedly it sounded like I was singing because I really wasn't singing. So unless you want to say, hey, hey, this is Reality Trip with Ben Farmer Jr. And uh, real life is stranger than fuck all that shit. All right. So I'm just making a fool of myself just for fun. So anyways, I've got my wife today. Hello. Hi, Mace Farmer. That's me. Yep. All right, cool. That's my wife and my co-host. All right. So let's get into it today. Um, I wanted to talk about our topic, which was in groups versus out groups. And I really wanted to talk about this because in Paris, we all know that there was a terrible tragedy out there with a bombing because of, you know, Islamic extremists out there. And we all have this idea of what we think is going on when it comes to these groups and these terrorist groups. And I don't think we really understand that even though, you know, I'm outspoken as an atheist that I don't want to categorize all ideology as being religious. Cause it's not, we can all have ideologies. We all belong to groups. We all think that these groups have a certain s- a set of ideas and we all think that we're right about those ideas and we will challenge other groups that threaten those those ideas. So I really wanted to talk about group think mentality and group behavior and why that's actually important. And especially when it comes to terrorism, because I think it plays a really, really big part. Now I brought some of this up in my uh, Periscope the other day. So I really wanted to kind of talk about it in full length here and, and kind of get into a little bit deeper. So the other reason why I wanted to uh, talk about this was because we had a couple of people on the, on our Facebook um, group page uh, that were mentioning some questions. And I thought it kind of even related a little bit to it, even though some of these questions were asked before. Um, Heather Cap says, uh, something I've been thinking about lately and would love to hear your take on is individuality versus community, community and society. For example, do you think that the pursuit of personal satisfaction has changed how we live together in communities? Um, she's basically saying that we no longer take care of each other and think about the larger benefit of the whole community in regards to education, healthcare, social services, et cetera. So, and then I also saw Rue, who was actually on our podcast. She was actually the very first person I ever interviewed. You know, um, she's an author. She's a friend of ours. Um, she actually said here too, I would love to explore the lack of personal responsibility slash accountability in today's society. Someone or something is to blame. It's the they syndrome. You know, there's, there's the others. So I thought, well, this actually would kind of all work together and understanding group group thing mm-hmm. behaviors, the ins and out groups, because it, it kind of is that it's like my group is more important than your group. Right. My thinking is better than your thinking or whatever, you know? So, um, anyway, so groups, the importance <laughs> of, let's start with first off the importance of groups. When we're looking at groups and I mentioned this in my Periscope, one of the things that's important for us to understand is we groups were a very essential to our survival as a species, right? When, when, we, when we evolved, we had a better chance of surviving throughout time if we had groups. Mm-hmm. The more I depended on you and the more you depended on me, it freed up resources in, in, in my brain and in my life to be able to specifically focus on one thing while it allowed you to focus on something else different 
and another person to focus on something different. And the collaboration of those groups allowed them to survive. But the unfortunate fact about that is, is that it also, it also creates a tension when there's another group also trying to survive. Mm-hmm. You know, we're competing for limited resources. We're competing for a lot of things on this planet, whether it's for mates, whether it's for food, whether, it's, you know, we're just competing for shit. And we had a better chance of surviving in groups if we were to be competing against another group, right? Like if, if I had enough of people in my group, I had a better chance of surviving versus a different group that was out there. So as we're competing, you know, sometimes we actually kill each other for mm-hmm. competition. We steal, we lie, we do all these things, unfortunately. And so we're always going to have this out group. There's always going to be the group we protect, our family, our friends, the people that we knew, because biologically that's how we survived versus another group. And we're not the only species to do this. Right. You know, monkeys, animals, a lot of people, especially monkeys, if you really look at our closest, you know, relatives, mm-hmm. they're constantly having to compete and they have to actually fight other groups uh, in order to survive. Yeah. So it's just part of the evolutionary process that we had to learn how to survive within groups. The problem is, is that we didn't know how to understand the other group in the sense like we do now with science and technology. What I mean by that is is that like if I saw somebody that was different than my group, I didn't have any other reference to know if it was a threat or not. Right. Because we have to determine threats in our life for our survival. Is that an animal? Is that person trying to kill me? Is, you know, is it going to rain? Is this food spoiled? Like we always have to look at things to determine is this a, is this a threat or not? Unfortunately, we had to look at other groups and determine instantly if that person was a threat, right? Mm-hmm. It might be person of a different nationality, a different race, you know, a different culture, right. uh, unfortunately. And sometimes it's within our own groups that we fight in, you know, in our own groups too. But I'm just saying sometimes we can't, we weren't thinking logically because we instantly had to make a, an assessment. Is that a threat? Mm-hmm. So it's why we have these in and out groups and we all are part of these groups, right? But as time's gone by, we've, we've created much larger groups in society, which has created societies themselves. So instead of just having this tribe of people, you know, like um, I think we were talking to, was it David Eagleman that we asked a question about the groups? He's a neuroscientist. He's got the show called The Brain on PBS. And then he had a live uh, broadcast. And I think it was, that was the question where it, I remember his answer. I don't remember what the question was, but his answer was um, that monkeys can't, monkeys can't associate with more than 150 with uh, other 150 other monkeys within their society in order for there to be order. Yeah. In order for there to be order, they can't do. And a lot of times in our lives, technically we can't have more than 150 friends in our life Mm -hmm. uh, in order to actually, uh, you know, to, to maintain order. So, and we think, Oh, because I have a, you know, a thousand people on my friends list or whatever else, but you don't really associate with most of those people on a day to day basis. So 150 is about the number that is required within that group. So obviously with as many, um, individuals out there, there's going to be another group of 150, another group of 150, you mm-hmm. know? And so when we're trying to understand groupthink mentality, we're more likely to go along with what the group is saying. Okay. Based off of individualism, this goes back to the question when she was talking about asking about individualism. Okay. Um, we basically, we basically listen to the group for survival mechanisms. But unfortunately, when we, when we create ideologies about that group, we, we create beliefs and thoughts about that group. We tend to go along with the group cause we don't want to shake up. We don't want to have disorder. We depend on that group for our survival. So. 
Right. And I think at that point, then we don't want to be labeled as part of the out group. You know, if you start to go against your your in group, you are then uh, it's almost like this automatic response that happens within the group. And they look at you and say, well, why are you questioning us? I'm going to have to put you in this other category now. And then you become the other. And in order for you to survive, like you just said, we don't want to become the other. We want to stay what's, you know, within our, our in group, I guess, basically. Yeah. Because we're social creatures. We, Mm -hmm. we need to be part of other people, like I said, to survive. But the problem is, is that we're more likely to not question other people in our groups because we're attracted to people that are the, that are the most like us. Mm Mm-hmm. We, we are attracted to people that are very similar to us, that have the same interests as us, the same behaviors, the same, you know, nationalities, religion, whatever it is. And this happens, but I, the reason why I'm bringing it up too is because yes, I'm very vocal about religion, but this isn't just about religion because this is how we operate in ideology, like with ideology when it comes to groups. I mean, it could be as something as simple as like a sports team. And I've said this before. You know, people get apeshit crazy about their sports teams. You know, mm-hmm. um, a friend of mine, we were talking about this last night where, you know, fights will break out in stadiums, you know, like people will attack the referees based off of just calls of a sports game. I mean, it's fucking sports people, but that's how people get so attached to their groups. But we see this in gangs, you know, we see this in corporate politics. We see this in politics. Mm-hmm. We see this with, uh, families, you know, there's politics within families, there's group structures, there's, there's dynamics. And, um, you know, I know with monkeys, there's always this need to gain power. So there's this group think of like, there's always these males, especially males. Um, I'm sure there's females that do this too, but I'm saying there's definitely this power grab where males want to be in control. They want to mm-hmm. be, you know, they're the ones that constantly want to be in power and then control the group. There's always has to be this alpha male that wants to be in control of the group. So I think that causes a lot of resistance. Mm-hmm. I think it causes a lot of problems in problems in society. So, Along those lines, do you think that if there's always an alpha, you know, within the animal species, and we see it also obviously within humans, we see alphas trying to come up in every group that there is, there's always someone that's labeled a leader. So do you think that that is an evolutionary benefit like that's why we still see it in the animal kingdom and the animal species and why it's been passed on to us. Yeah. I think there's, there's probably a benefit because there, there's gotta be an order. Someone's mm-hmm. gotta know how to make the decisions. You know, not everybody's capable of making decisions, right? People want to be led and not all people, but I think that's the problem with leaders, especially leaders in our society is that they don't think about the decisions that they're actually making. They're basing it off of emotional reasoning Mm -hmm. and not logical reasoning. And they don't understand how we are all susceptible. I don't know if that's the right way to, is that the right way to say? Susceptible. Yeah. I Mm -hmm. I fucking can't say it. Um, to, you know, listening to people that we think that they know what they're talking about, you know, and in my short film, a virus called fear, you know, that was one thing she, she was talking about is that, we all want uh, an answer to a problem. You know, we're problem solving creatures. I say this a lot and we want a solution. And we look to these other people, including leaders. And then we think, Oh, this person's providing a solution. And sometimes they tap into our emotional reasoning and make us feel like they have an actual solution to the problem, even though it may not actually be a, a, a good solution. And 
Unfortunately, that's what propaganda is. When you look at propaganda, they're tapping into your emotional reasoning, mm-hmm. right? And that bypasses all logical centers in your brain. And you're now emotionally attached to this idea and this philosophy about something. And that causes a problem. And when we look at Nazi Germany, when we look at genocides, when we look at Rwanda, when we look at some of the most heinous crimes humans have committed, it was this propaganda of emotional reasoning. Now, to get deeper into that, the problem is, is that we think we look at these other groups and we say, oh, that group over there is evil, right? That, that those other people are different than me. They must be the bad guys, right? Mm -hmm. But they're looking at it from their point of view and they're saying, no, I'm the good guy. You're the bad guy. In fact, if you look at most genocides in the world, they thought that they were the good guys and they were being um, persecuted. Okay. And they thought, no, this is how I'm going to deal with this problem. And I'm going to go out and persecute the people that persecuted me. Right. And when we really look at the problem, we can see that it's this vicious cycle of violence in these groups and listening to people that think that their emotional reasoning is going to solve the problem because maybe, you know, thousands of years ago, maybe it did, you know, when, when you were attacked by a tribe or another group, Mm-hmm. maybe you had to fight and kill them. Okay. Yeah. But we live in much bigger groups now in bigger societies where we need to govern ourselves more and we have to actually have more order, mm-hmm. but we need to be aware of the propaganda that is being created and that's attacking our emotional intelligence and saying, okay, wait a minute. That's not an actual logical explanation, even though emotionally you might want to respond to it. Now, how do you do that? Well, first off, you have to understand where your out group is coming from. Right. Which is actually a form of empathy. If you really think about it. And I think that's what most religions and spiritual teachings were trying to tell us was empathy was the way to understand violence. It was the way to understand your enemy. It was a way to understand so you can have peace. And what I mean by that is, is that not everybody just is trying to be a murderer or a killer. Now I know some people lack empathy and they become these things. I'm not, I'm not blind to the fucking horrible atrocities in this world. What I'm trying to say is, is that if you can't look at it objectively and figure out where they're coming from, you're not going to be able to understand it to be able to handle it more logically. Mm-hmm. So let's take, for example, ISIS, because let's go back to what's going on with Paris, right? I'm extremely frustrated with ISIS. I, I mean, just like anybody else, I'm extremely frustrated with this group, especially because I speak out about religion. And obviously I don't think all religious people are, are like this and they're not, we, yeah. we can't sit here and blame all Muslims for what's going on with ISIS. Right. So then what is going on with ISIS? This is my perception of it. And you know, if people have a different opinion about it, I'm more, you know, I'm more than happy to hear it. I'm not saying I'm an expert at this. I'm not, but this is my opinion is, is that basically the group ISIS was basically formed, you know, they, they were the uh, Sunni group and they basically were being persecuted. They were technically, you know, the Shiites and the Sunnis have been fighting for many years, right? And it's going back and forth between those two. And for a while, especially when we overthrew Saddam Hussein and he had the Sunni tribe, um, once we put the Shiites in power, like a president Maliki, he decided he was going to persecute the Sunnis the same way he was being persecuted. You know, right. he felt persecuted. President Maliki felt persecuted under Saddam Hussein. So just like most revolutionaries in the world, they usually go out, overthrow whatever power they have, but then they become the tyrants. We hear right. that we see this over and over, not just here. We see we see it all throughout time. So what we're looking at is ISIS is that they they wanted to have some sort of say of not being persecuted. They were tired of being persecuted. They were tired of being killed. They were tired of not having their voices heard. And just like when you you cage any animal or you make him, you know, 
you, you take away his ability to make decisions when they feel threatened or when they feel fear, right. they're going to attack back. You know, any animal, I mean, come on, we know we've seen animals where we've kept them in cages or we abused them or we did something. They attack, mm-hmm. they attack back. Um, well, I mean, uh, so the, the thing is, is that what I'm, what I'm trying to explain is too, is, is that when we understand the mentality of the reasons why they do what they do, you can see that when someone's being persecuted, they're more likely to be violent. Now, some of these people come from extremely poor countries or poor um, societies. I mean, we see this here in America. You know, people are like, well, why do gang members do what they do? Why do people, you know, why are people committing so much crimes? I mean, look what, look what poverty can do to the mind. Hmm. Look at what inner cities and what violence and stuff does to people in all parts of the world, you know? So the thing is, is that when we look at very vulnerable people mm-hmm. who are either in poverty, maybe some of them haven't been fully educated. Um, they don't have the resources. They don't feel like there's a lot of hope. Most animals are going to retaliate in order to gain control because everybody wants control in their life. Everybody wants um, to feel safe. They want to feel heard. They want to feel like they, they can make decisions. And when they don't, they're going to fight for that freedom. Isn't that what we did in America? You know, when we fought in the revolutionary war, we wanted the freedom. We, we wanted to say, look, this is not how we want to live our lives. We want to separate from this other group. Mm-hmm. This is what we see in all countries. When we see civil wars, when we see genocides, when we see dictatorships, right. you know, and, and well, I think you brought up a good point in terms of how these groups form, um, you know, a lot of the poor countries, that's where terrorism is usually bred. And it's because there's a lack of resources where they are. And their only opportunity is sometimes when, you know, someone who's trying to put together a coup or trying to, you know, really take over another area, they'll come in and they'll go into the poorest of areas and say, well, here, I'm going to offer you this opportunity to join our group. You'll become part of this in group. We're going to take care of you, but I'm going to need you to kill this out group over here. And maybe they didn't really do anything to you, but I'm the one that's here that's going to take care of you. And so those types of things, you know, when you don't, have the ability to, you know, help the world. Um, that's something that a lot of people debate about is how do we help these poorer countries so that this doesn't keep happening. And then the other side of the debate happens where, well, no, shouldn't we help our, our own here at home first? So again, you have the in group and out group mm-hmm. at that point as well. Um, but I think that I don't have the answer on how to, to move forward from that. Well, if you really look at it, these groups are all illusions in our head. I mean, there are some groups that we're all part of, you know, like I'm part of the male group. You're part of the female group. You know, I'm part of the (laughs) white race. There's other people part of different races, different religions, but there are some things that we have created that are not real. Like if you think about it, countries, Mm -hmm. okay. There is no such thing as a country. That is a concept that we created. We created money. Money doesn't actually exist. And yet we fight and kill over these creations, these ideas, these illusions of an in and out group. Like, oh, that person from another country is different. Why? Mm -hmm. Because there was a line there. Uh, Millions of years ago, there there was animals roaming around this planet. They didn't know the fucking difference between North America and South America. Now, it doesn't mean that other animals aren't territorial either. They they, they are. I think territorial... We're very territorial by nature, and I get that. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. but we're also smart too. And we should understand that some of these things are illusions that we've created. And so when we see other countries that are suffering, like with poverty and with genocide and, you know, and we're like, oh, well, we need to take care of us before them. I mean, yes, we, we do. We need to take care of us. I mean, sometimes you have to help yourself before you help them, but to think that they're the, they're the other and that they're separate or excluded. Like Mm -hmm. some people are trying to say with the Syrian refugees now, they're like, oh, we should just stop. You know, we should just not take in any Syrian refugees at all. It's like, wait a minute. So you're going to punish a whole majority of a population of people based Mm -hmm. off a very small group of people creating harm. Like these other people are just like you raising their families, going to school, trying to educate themselves, trying to, you know, enjoy their lives, doing whatever else. And if you were in that situation, how would you feel? Like, how would you feel in your group right now? I guess for Americans, because I mean, I know this podcast goes all around the world, but I guess for Americans, we don't understand that very well. And what I mean by that is, is that we've never really lived in a society. At least our generation hasn't really lived in a society for a while where we, had to deal with civil war where we had to deal with the, with the fact that like we might have to leave, pack up our family and leave this country and go to another country that's completely foreign than us. And then somebody reject us. Like we, we are not aware of what that really looks like. All we can do is turn on the TV, listen to the radio, you know, watch people on YouTube. That's the, the, that's unless you've gone to these other countries, that's really the only way you can understand it. And I still think that's a great step. But the reality is, is most of us of Americans have never known what it's like to be part of civil war. We go in other countries and we fight wars, but we've never really had to deal with it here on the soil where another country comes in here, takes over our government, splits us in half, does all these things, commits atrocities on our soil, or we're, or there's a civil war happening in our country and we're forced to pack our shit up and leave. Cause what would be the difference between us and them? It wouldn't be. And I wouldn't be surprised if other countries are like, no, we're not going to take American refugees. (laughs) Now, how would you feel if like, okay, there's a group of people in my country I have nothing to do with. I have nothing to do with these people that are creating harm, but I'm now, I have to run from them. I have no other choice but to leave because I need to protect my family. And I can't go anywhere because people are associating me with the bad guy. And I can't really do anything about this guy. He's got weapons and bombs and everything. I don't have it. I'm just a farmer. I'm just a worker. You know, I'm just an engineer. Like, what do you want me to, to do? And, and I, to, at the same time, I also feel like, and going back to that, which is why I, that's the problem I have with the refugee crisis is when people say, well, we can't take any refugees and just blame all the refugees. That's not right. That's not critical thinking. No. Um, so here's what my actual problem is though. Um, when we're talking about religion, you know, we're talking about ideology. I think the problem lies with groups that don't speak out about the groups that are creating the actual harm themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. Because we're all part of a group, you know, whether we like it or not. And sometimes our groups create problems and we don't speak out about them. And we're just as much part of the problem for not speaking out about them. Now, maybe we don't know enough about the problem to speak out, or maybe we don't want to cause trouble. I get it, but there's gotta be enough people that speak out about their own groups for them to create the change. And I think for, especially what's going on in the middle East, more Muslims need to speak out Mm -hmm. about what's going on in their situation. Now, some of them might be scared. They may not be able to speak out. It's probably easy for me as an American because I have a lot of freedoms in my country where I can speak out and they don't. So I understand that, but I still think it's going to have to come down to the Muslims themselves speaking out against their, you know, this ideology that they're having to deal with. Right. You know, and if we're not doing that, if, if, if all of us in groups are never questioning our groups, we're just as guilty of not 
not changing. You know, uh, I think Einstein had a quote saying that, you know, about the people being silent or just as guilty. It's not the, it's not the problem with the evil in the world. It's the people that don't um, speak up about the evil. Mm-hmm. So, um, but when we look at economic social statuses of people, what's going on in other countries, it's just fuel for the fire to just keep creating. I know you're studying that in school right now, aren't you? With um, just uh, like lower, um, like poverty and what's mm-hmm. going on with third world countries. So, yeah. what, so what is your take when it comes to um, why some, because obviously poverty and ideology are a formula for disaster most of the time. Mm-hmm. So what are some things that you've learned from doing that? That one, first off, why is it actually being caused? And why is it that even though we do something, we can't do anything about it? Um, what do you mean by when we do something, we can't do anything about it? Are you referring okay. to when there's well, when we, aid When we given? give aid, but, but let's, mm-hmm. let's address the problem first. What is the actual problem in these societies? Because I think most of the time terrorism comes from people just trying to fight back because mm-hmm. they don't have, because they are in poverty, because they don't have a voice, because they can't do something. So how do we address these social, social, social economic mm-hmm. statuses in these countries first so we can get to these problems. I think um, just based on the things that I've been studying the last couple of weeks, you know, the things that I've learned is we've got a couple of different approaches that are happening when it happening when it comes to aid and and things that are are being delivered to these um, lesser developed countries. And what we're finding, or what has been found, is that you know, though there will be this like blanket approach what they call the macro approach to aid where they'll deliver um, millions of dollars to a, a specific part of the government. And then it's kind of up to them to say, okay, well, where do I put that money? And if it's not going to all the right places, then a lot of the time, the people still continue to suffer. So social programs end up going away. And so what we see then is, instead of this, um, you know, massive influx of growth, we still see it being stagnant and we still see people suffering and sometimes they're backsliding. And when you take a different approach, so they're now, they're now they're trying a micro aid approach, which is where they're going to go into, um, the smaller, the smaller villages and try to do it on a kind of a grassroots level. They're seeing a little bit more success with that. But what they're finding is that um, a lot of the time the, the groups have come in and taken from those villages already. So whether it's, uh, you know, groups trying to create their own armies and militias to go against the government that should have been providing them the aid in the first place you know, we're finding that there's a lot of infighting going on. Um, a lot of revolutionary uh, revolutionaries come up in that time because they they see, okay, well, the government is supposed to be providing for us and supposed to be helping us, and they're not. And so then that creates more strife within their their countries. And that's where the breeding ground is maintained, basically, for terrorist groups to come up. Um, and it's really hard on the micro level for the grassroots effort to go, you know, to really go into play because we're kind of terrified to go over there. You know, um, we're, we're a little bit afraid now to go over into these places and help because we don't know what will happen to us. 
So it's still kind of the us versus them. We want to help. We want to go over there and people, and there are some people that are, you know, succeeding at it. And then there are the others that aren't. And it's tough when you're fighting against decades of history of this. Mm -hmm. And also we aren't trusted. That's the other piece because the, the larger, the macro approach failed, we aren't really trusted over there. So the people that want to come in and do good and actually help there's, they're facing also a lot of rejection. And and I think that's a problem too, is, is that, you know, for a long time, the, the status of other groups in the world, whether it's other countries, other types of people was only limited to what your leaders told you about that. Yeah. Those people. And what I do like about this day and age of the internet, even though sometimes it can actually backfire is that we can learn so much about these other groups. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we're doing is we're bypassing these political leaders and saying, Hey, look, you know, you guys don't always speak for us. Mm -hmm. And I think even as an American, you know, I'm sure there's people listening to this podcast from other countries, you know, there's this perception of America, but some of us, uh, you know, good or bad, I'm just saying there's also a very bad perception of America. And some of us don't agree with it either here in America, you know, and I think that there's this illusion that America is this, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the real perception is of it in the world. Cause I'm not from another country, but it's definitely, I guess this form of like arrogance or like, you know, this land of rich and stupidity and stupidity. Yeah. yeah. But I think there's a lot of us here that don't buy into that, that dude, we love our country, but we're not like buying into all the ideology that, you know, Americans have been doing for a long time. And I think that at least for me, what's opened me up to that is being able to watch, you know, documentaries and listen to other people from other countries and not Mm -hmm. listen to the ideology, listen to the people from those countries. And I think that it's going to take all of us in our own countries to kind of bypass our governments, you know, um, and, and say, you know, we, you don't always speak out for all of us here. Mm -hmm. And so there's no reason for us to have to kill each other in order to solve our problems, you know, now that is very much easier said than done. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and be like, Oh, well that's just a utopian way of looking at it. And it can, I'm just saying that we need to have a better way of communicating and making decisions with each other and, and not always depending on our governments to, to, it's not always that our governments are reliable and competent of making those decisions. We've seen that time and again, and we're not putting people in political power that know how to make those decisions that don't know how to critically think Mm -hmm. they just follow party lines. Like in our country, it's Democrat and Republican, you know, even on our own country, there's a lot of strife. There's like, Oh, fucking liberals, Oh, fucking conservatives, you know? (laughs) And we all, we all have our ideals about what we think, you know, should be our lives. We all have positions of what we think about politically and we probably fall into one group more than the other. Mm -hmm. But the problem is that sometimes we get so locked up in our groups about the, about everything that we don't take the time to listen to the other side at all and say, okay, maybe there's some rationality to this. Now, some of them, I don't think there is rationality. I'm sorry. I'm just being fucking honest, but, but I'm also the type of person like I want, I'll call out my own group too, you know? Cause mm-hmm. it, 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 for example, like I can, I guess I consider myself to be more left leaning, you know, yeah. but obviously I'm not very, I, I could be, I could piss off a lot of liberals because I say a lot of things that are against what most liberals would say, like, for example, gun control. I, mm-hmm. I, I believe in the right to carry a gun and I don't think that you should take away people's guns or rights to carry the gun because I believe just like, just like when it comes to religion, not every person that carries a gun is a bad person. 
No. Okay. There's a right. lot of responsible gun owners. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think the problem with liberals too is their political correctness. I think mm-hmm. that the pendulum has swung so far to the left that it's now imprisoned us all in these like boxes and we can't say anything anymore about anything as if no one can have a, an opinion. Now, I don't want to, I don't want to like be malicious and say that everyone should just say whatever the fuck they want all the time. Right. But I'm pretty outspoken. I'm pretty vocal about what I want to say. And I want the right to be able to say those things. Okay. So our political correctness as liberals have, I think is actually fucking us up too. But what I'm trying to get at is I'm willing to call out some things in my own party, um, even as an atheist, right? Because the fucking thing about atheists is there's, it's not really a group. I mean, there's a community atheist, but really the only thing we have in common is atheists. The only thing we have in common is atheists is that we don't believe in God. I mean, that's it. Any other type of moral philosophy, any type of uh, political philosophy, anything else is is subject to whatever it is that you're choosing to do. It has nothing to do with atheism in the end. Okay. Mm -hmm. I know, I think atheists are a very diverse group of people. There's very conservative fucking atheists. There's very libertarian. There's very liberal. We all have different points of view and we debate each other all the time. And, and, and just because you're an atheist doesn't mean you're fucking smart either. I know fucking atheists right now that are fucking ridiculously fucking stupid. Okay. Like just really fucking dumb that I cannot stand that. I, I swear to God, they annoy me more than fucking Josh Ferristein does. Right. Mm-hmm. But it just goes to show we're not a religion. Right? right. But even if, even if we're a community of people that are trying to fight for, you know, our rights and for, to change the perceptions of the world, we still call out our own all the time, you know, Uh, you know, when, whenever an atheist is going to do, whenever an atheist does something, we call them out. Now we don't even have to, because it's not like we're a religion where we, where we need to. I mean, that Mm -hmm. guy came up with all of his own beliefs, his own ideas of what he wanted to do, but we still do. And I think all of us in groups, I think if you're a Christian, you need to call out the hypocrisy in Christianity. If you're a Muslim, you should be calling out the hypocrisy in, 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 in Islam. Okay. As, as an atheist and as a skeptic, I am more than happy to call out fucking atheists and be like, you know what? That may, not be, that may not be correct. That may not be the right way to say that. And we need to be careful when we get in these groups, because if we don't do that and we, mm-hmm. and we buy into the propaganda all the time, this is how Nazi Germany happens. This is how the Bosnian um, genocide happened, you know? And, yeah. and I, like I said, my periscope, that was Muslims being killed there. Those were Muslims that were being persecuted there. Okay. So yeah. we're all, we're all guilty of being able to get stuck into a group. And we think that it's, it's okay that we disagree about some things and hopefully we can come up with better ways to dealing with it. Um, on a much serious scale. I mean, there's a difference between fucking the stupid red cup controversy with the fucking dumbass Josh Fairstein and me criticizing those motherfuckers. But then there's serious problems, you know, mm. where we're dealing with war, we're dealing with poverty, we're dealing with terrorism, we're dealing with, you know, education. Like we, we may not agree, but we got to come up with better ways than just fucking killing people or just persecuting people and, and not, and not, and not sitting down to listen to solve the problem because the problem is, is there's a problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there's gotta be some sort of compromise. If the pendulum swings too far on either side, it could create a problem. Okay. And in some instances it might be different. Maybe there, maybe one side is not going to help at all. I don't know. The point I'm trying to get at is that when we're in these groups, we need to be careful of the propaganda. And Mm -hmm. the other thing is, is that we need to also be careful of how our minds work in groups and saying that when we're put in a group situation, we might do something that's different than the individual, which is going back to um, Heather's question about individualism. You know, look at the, um, and I guess this is actually about um, uh, responsibility and accepting responsibility too. what Rue was asking. When we look at, um, when we're looking at uh, the, the experiment that comes to my head is the Philip Zimbardo experiment, the Stanford prison experiment, right? Mm-hmm. Here you have, if you've never heard of the experiment, I'll just briefly say it was this experiment where they took some college kids, put them into a fake prison, that, but they were supposed to act like it was real. 
Half of the group were cops. Half of the group were prisoners. Now, none of these guys were actual cops or prisoners in real life. They just had them dressed like cops, dressed like prisoners, right? Mm -hmm. At the end of the experiment, they found out that the cops were acting like cops and being brutal and treating the prisoners as if they really were prisoners. And it was actually causing real psychological damage. They actually had to end the experiment early. Now, Philip Zimbardo didn't know that was what was going to happen. And even though it could never be, that experiment can never be done, I'm, it's good that it happened because now we actually understood the mentality of when a human that maybe doesn't act that way gets put into a group, okay, puts on a uniform, gets stuck in a groupthink mentality, that they will act like the group. Mm-hmm. So you have to be aware in these groups or these propagandas of people and their ideologies. Be careful about how the group is responding to the situation and the way that you respond to everyone else in the group, because you could become like something that you're actually not. You could go against your own moral values. You can go against your own thinking and you're no longer an individual. Okay. And then it's about us. It's about us versus them. So going back to, you know, why we fight for us, it's like, well, you are defending your group, even though you may not actually be like that, but the group is dictating the reality and you're going to look at them as an object you know, and that's where we do see genocide. That's where we do see Hitler in these things is when you now have objectified it, you now fear this other group. You now are trying to solve a problem saying that group over there is the problem. That group is the reason why this is the way that it is. And then you no longer are thinking critically. You're now responding emotionally and be like, well, we need to kill that group and get rid of them. That's the problem. But just like in that Stanford experiment, those prisoners will really be treating bad by guys that were just normal college students. They didn't act that way, but you put them in that group, the group outthinks the rest of the individuals. And so we have to take some responsibility for ourselves and saying, look, even though I'm a part of a group, I'm going to have to question, is this still logically sound? Is this really what is best? Or, and, and if you notice a lot of terrorists, they join these groups for a while, but then they kind of back out of them hmm. be, because they're like, this doesn't really fit what I believe. Like this isn't really what I thought it was going to actually be. Right. Right. And so we have to be careful that when we emotionally respond to these groups and we want to be a part of them and look at cults, cults are a perfect example of groups that, that narrow you down into this ideology of Mm -hmm. the group is more important than the individual. You now lose sense of yourself. You lose sense of reality. You lose sense of perspective. And then when you're in that, you're going to fight for that and do things you normally wouldn't do. Right. I think, um, you know, you, you bring up a really good point. And one thing that stands out to me that occurred, um, recently with the Mormon church, with all those people who stood up and left the religion when the Mormons decided, you know, when, when it was handed down by the powers that be that, you know, um, anybody that was in a same sex marriage or relationship, um, they weren't allowed, um, their children weren't allowed to join the church. And if at any time, you know, they did become, I think, um, an LGBT or anything like that, they would never be allowed to, to be a, a member of the church any longer. And their families would have to disown them as well. So, um, thousands of Mormons stood up and said, you don't represent me any longer. And I thought that was kind of a really beautiful thing for all those people to, to say, you know what, you're not going to represent what I'm thinking. I'm, I'm a thinking individual. And while I know it pained, it had to have pained so many of them to do that because I know how much, 
um, that religion is, you know, about family and really, you know, trying to take care of their own and, um, and, and things like that. And for all those people to say, no, I'm going to do this for the greater good. And I'm not going to let you dictate how I'm actually thinking and feeling. Um, I think that's a beautiful example of people standing up and saying no more. Which, which I think is really awesome too. And I think that's another thing that even we as atheists need to pay attention to in our mm-hmm. rhetoric is yes, we want to challenge religion because we're asking it philosophically. Is it true? Right. But we can't, we can't get ourselves so locked into a box where we start to persecute yeah. religious people because of their beliefs. Cause Mm-mm. really, I mean, the majority of the atheists I know, at least leading atheists, they challenge religion, but none of them really want to persecute anybody in the end now. But what the reason why I'm speaking out about it is I always worry about, a fringe group who may want to do that like mm-hmm. later on or whatever. I mean, every group is possible. So that's why I speak out and say, look, as an atheist, I don't want to persecute a Christian or Muslim. I don't, I don't want to make a law that bans religion. I don't want to shut down the churches. I don't want to shut down the mosques. Okay. Right. All I'm asking is look, be empathetic to other groups other than you and don't persecute them. Right. Mm-hmm. Don't kill women for speaking up and saying stuff in, in, in third world countries. Don't persecute gay people and, and do hate crimes against them. Now, not all religious people are doing that. I get that, but there needs to be more religious people that speak out about it. And sometimes we in our groups need to look past our groups to be empathetic to others. Like to me, I'm a white straight male, right? Yeah. Most of the things I fight for in this country or just in the world is equality for things that I'm not really even a part of in the end. I mean, you know, I'm not gay. I'm not a woman. I'm not black. I'm not Mexican. Right. You know, yet I am empathetic. I've, I've seen enough to be empathetic, to say that's not right. Because if I was that, mm-hmm. I would be very, I would probably be even more upset than I am now. Like people are like, man, you, you always seem like you're angry. I'm like, motherfucker, I'd be even more angry, <laughs> you know? But I think the message wasn't just to preach to the choir. It no. was to preach to someone like me. I mean, not like me because I don't think that way, but you know, it, you know, and sometimes people say, well, is that white guilt? You know, and is that, <sighs> you know, it's like, no, it, it's, it's basically just looking and saying, we don't need to think in those ways anymore. And if the message was for equality and to treat people fairly and to, and to respect people, I would want that. Like, that's what I want anyways, as a white male fucking adult, you right. know, who's straight, you know, I, I want to be treated fairly and equally. And I think it's, it, I think we should give that to other people, especially on things that they really don't have any choice of, you know, people don't have the choice to be gay. They don't have a choice to be a woman or, or black or male or straight. That's just what you're born with. And to judge people like that and judge people in those groups to me is a form of fucking stupidity. I'm like, you know what? It's okay that we disagree about things, but there's so many different types of white people. There's so many different types of guys. There's so many different types of all types of people. So right. we can't sit there and judge people for our skin or nationality. But I also want to say that like, I don't want all Christians when they hear me talk or all Muslim people think that like my goal is to eliminate religion. Like I think religion causes a lot of problems. I really do. I think there's a lot of things that I think it causes problems, but I would never want to see them being persecuted. That doesn't, because if I see them persecuting other people, my goal is to just say, look, I don't want you doing that to other people. And why would I want to do the same thing to them? Okay. Now the underlying thing for me is, is that I, I still question if it's true. Like, yeah. And when I see things in these religious texts that are harmful, I have to ask myself, why would God allow people to think this way and to do this? Now, it doesn't mean there aren't Buddhists out there that aren't committing atrocities. There is. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe I should speak. I mean, I should do a whole episode on just Buddhists that do fucked up shit too. Every, every ideology of every group is capable of doing it. Okay. But each one of these groups need to speak out because we are going to have differences. We have to live together. I'm not going to convince the world to fucking change their mind about religion. I want to try to open as many people's minds as I can, but the reality is we're going to have to live with each other on this fucking planet. And we need to learn to kind of get along and we got to, we have to kind of like learn that we're not going to agree and that's okay. I have a lot of family and friends that are completely opposite of me and I'm okay with it. Now I have some other motherfuckers that I know who let their politics get in the fucking way and their religion get in the way. And I'm like, fuck you. I'm not going to, you know what I mean? Like if you're going to allow your politics and religion get in the way of us being friends or doing something, then fuck you. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, cause I don't, I don't care. Like I have Christian friends, you know, I have people, friends of mine that are Republican and you're my friend. I shouldn't allow the politics. And we, we argue, we disagree about stuff, but at the end of the day, we still care about each other. Well, why can't we do that on a fucking worldwide basis? Why can't we say, look, we may not agree, but at the end of the day, I still care about you as a fucking human being, you know, that I'm still like, okay, you know what? I still don't want to see harm done to you. I may not agree with you. We might fucking bang heads, but at the end of the day, we can't like, I, I wouldn't want to wish any pain on you. And that's what real empathy is. And if you really look at spirituality, that's what they were trying to teach you, mm-hmm. you know? And that's why I, I, I'm so vocal about religion and spirituality. It's like, oh, we'll teach empathy and compassion, but lack it when you really need it. Right. You know, you can't tell me you're being empathetic when you go out there and persecute other people. You're not understanding the other person's point of view if that's what you're doing. Okay. And I understand religious and spiritual people enough to say, I don't actually want to persecute them. I just want them to think about their positions. I want them to understand that they are creating real harm in society. This isn't hypothetical. Yeah. And if I keep hearing, well, it's not all Muslims, it's not all Christians. I'm like, we're already past that point. We know that Mm -hmm. we're speaking to you because you're the one that needs to speak out. You're the one. When I look at my fucking Facebook you know, feed and there's something going on in a group and nobody's speaking out on their side about it, but then get upset that I speak out. I'm like, maybe you should speak out about it. Yeah. You know, so we're all guilty of getting into groupthink mentalities and we're not going to change everybody's minds, but we sure as fuck need to learn to live with each other on this fucking planet. I know some of us pull our fucking hair out over politics and fucking people. And we look at the world and we're like, what the fuck? But the reality is we're not going anywhere in a time fucking soon. I mean, you know, we're not going to Mars. We're not going like, this is the fucking planet we're on. This is, this is, this is life. This is what we're doing, you know? And when we get to the point where we start killing millions of people or hundreds of people and, and unnecessarily over belief systems and ideas and ideology, there's a problem there. And we need to talk about that fucking problem and not be afraid to speak out and, and say something about it, but being aware that we're all guilty of, you know, being caught up in it. Right. Exactly. So I think that there's a level, I think, like you said before, there's a level of compromise that needs to be reached. And I think that there is, um, at least I'm hopeful that there'll be a way one day where maybe we can bridge the gaps with people that are reasonable, you know, that are willing to listen, that are, because like you said before, a lot of these groups, I think for some reason just want to be heard and they're not being heard. And they do these things to gain attention, obviously. And their goal is they think that what they have is better. So they want to come in and make the world better in their view. But if we, if we find some sort of way, I don't know, to realize that we're all trying to do the same thing, that we aren't actually any different. We aren't any different. 
I mean, even if we are different in some things, well, it should be okay that we are, but you know, but I mean, the ultimate goal, I guess, is what I'm saying in life. The ultimate goal is not to experience the least amount of fucking suffering. Yeah, at least exactly. That, you know, and I think, I think differences is good too, because it creates competition, like in a healthy way, competition helps us. I mean, that's how industry well, yeah. and entrepreneurs, you know, but you know, even we all get into groups like with Mac versus, you know, windows, <laughs> windows and, yeah. you know, football teams and, and, and music and whatever. Um, and I'm very competitive. Believe me, fucking watch my video game channel. I'm, I get upset fucking extremely easily. Like everyone knows I get extremely upset, but every once in a while you have to kind of take a moment to say, okay, there's a much more serious problem than just being upset here that we really need mm-hmm. to think about. And there needs to be some of us, at least some of us in society that takes a look back and looks at it objectively and says, how do I actually solve this problem? Because more, more, more likely most of us are going to be emotional about it. Right. Then we are going to be rational about it. That is definitely, that's definitely something I've seen in the last week. I've seen so many cries for war and kill them all. And we should just, you know, blow them up. And I, and that's, uh, and I'm, and I'm, rational enough to know that that's just people's emotions talking. That's just fear talking. And that's them going, I don't know any other way to do it. So I'm just going to say this. Mm. And that's how their fear manifests. And I think it is up to us as the more rational ones to stop and say, okay, nope, that's not the answer either. We've tried that. Doesn't work. There has to be other ways. Yeah, because the problem isn't going to get end up getting solved. And believe me, we all feel that that tinge of like, I want to just punch the motherfucker in his face. Believe me, of I feel course. that way all the time. <laughs> when sometimes there's people that talk, and I'm like, God damn it, I just want to fucking knock that fucker out. We all have those tinges of like those feelings. Of course, but we have to also become realistic. Then saying in a society of civility. That's not going to solve the problem all the time. Now, sometimes, you know, you have to defend yourself and, there, and there's means for it. And I get that. But I'm just saying overall in the long period, in order for, you know, society to grow, to advance, to educate them themselves, they've got to use logic and reasoning instead of using emotional reasoning all the time. And violence isn't always going to settle it. You know, there might be better ways. And they, you know, we invest a lot of time and energy into wars, into killing people, into jails, into, you know, all these other things. Why don't we invest the same time into learning how to critically think and learning how to use empathy? You know, I don't know what people value. You know, do we really value lives? Do we really value ourselves and the planet to really do that? Or do we just value our political parties and, you know, our ideologies and our flags? And and I'm talking about all around the world, not just America. I'm saying like, you know, I I feel like this is a great time in the world that I've learned so much about other countries and other people, you know, even though I, I, unfortunately I haven't been able to see the world, you know, I wish I could, you know, but I'm just not in a position to do that. But I think that we start to realize that we all have, we do a lot of us have it a lot in common. We know that we know in our countries, even in our own countries, right? Like you, okay. There's people I know listening to this from around the world and you can agree that there's people in your country, just like in my country that you're like, fuck those motherfuckers. Right? Mm -hmm. Like we have divisions in our own countries, in our own families, our own friends, right? We get into arguments, debates, you know, there's times like that's just part of life. Okay. It's not just about our ideology about our countries, it's ideology about our families and our coworkers and shit. Right. So we have to just kind of learn to, you know, deal with it better. And that's probably where I have to draw the line. Cause I don't know how to deal with it any better, but there's people out there smarter than me that do is what I'm saying. We need to start listening to the people that understand, you know, the science behind it, understand the brain, social, mm-hmm. so, social psychology, stuff like that. So 
No, I, I agree with you um, 100%. And I think, um, you know, David Eagleman brought up a, a brilliant point last week when he talked about what goes on in the brain when we talk about in groups and out groups. And if you guys get a chance, you should really check that episode out. Um, it, it really shed some light on how our brains function in society. Why don't you tell them what it is, what show it is? Uh, well, it's the brain and it's yeah. on PBS. I don't remember the name of the episode, unfortunately, yeah. but it was last week, last Wednesday, which is really good. I mean, it's, uh, understanding the brain and how things work, I think has helped, you know, me and probably you like understand oh, yeah. people better and in, in society and stuff. And I think that's, that's what I'm trying to say is that there's a lot of great information out there past all this political bullshit. And I think we get, you know, our brains are, are equipped to notice negativity before anything. We're supposed to notice mm-hmm. the threat before anything. But in that, we kind of forget to learn how to look past politics and look towards education and learning, like, why did these things happen? You know, sometimes the worst things in the world could be understood if you take an objective look at it. And Mm -hmm. it's not saying you agree with it. There's a lot of shit I don't agree with. Oh, yeah. But, you know, when I when I bring up, you know, cults and behavior, especially when I made a virus called fear, like I was really trying to understand the mentality of what these groups were doing and how they use fear as a mechanism to controlling or making people think irrational things because that's what I wanted to know. That was my thesis in the film. How does fear program us Mm -hmm. and make us think irrational thoughts? And I always look at it as a hub and saying like, you know, the media, religion and politics seem to be the generators of this virus that continuously programs our brains and makes us fear things and makes us act irrationally and do these things constantly over and over and over, you know? So when you you, when you look into these systems and you see how they actually operate, when you see how they actually work, you start to be really awakened to how the system works and how people are actually using these systems against other people that aren't educated. And many smart, educated people throughout time have said a well-educated population is, you know, is usually free from tyranny, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm paraphrasing that. But what I mean is, is that when you don't educate your, the public, when, when education takes a back turn, anyone can take advantage of you. Yep. Okay. Any society, any group could take advantage of you. The more educated you are, the more that you're aware of propaganda, the, the more that you can see through these, these, these programmings and what, what governments and religions and people do to emotionally manipulate you, the less prone you are to them. So you're not caught into a society that, you know, creates genocide or cults or, you know, or even something like Enron, you know, where there's a group of people that yeah. nobody spoke up against it. And then it's like, then the house of cards fought, you know, fought, fell. So being aware, you know, Mm -hmm. is, is, is probably one of the best ways to, to combat a lot of this stuff. I I would completely agree with that. Absolutely. I think, I know the hardest part is, um, how do you kill an idea? You replace it with a better one. (laughs) That's what I think. I mean, we've done it many times. We've killed the idea of slavery. We've killed the idea of, um, non-equal rights. We've killed the idea of a child slave labor, at least in this country, you know, we've killed the idea of burning witches at the stake. We've killed the idea that the world was flat. It's when we come up with a better idea and we test it and we prove that it works better. And that's what science is supposed to be about. And see science, I'm not saying that I'm all like science knows every single thing, right? Right. But science is aware that there's a bias. Yeah. And the best thing you could do is eliminate those biases as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's, it doesn't matter what you believe. It's what you can actually demonstrate and prove. So to me, that's why I respect science. And I don't look at science as a religion that it's like, oh, you know, it's it, like 
everything they say is correct. No, but it has a process that works the best that we know. Mm-hmm. And when we have those biases, especially us as humans, we need to overcome those biases to, to, to look at the facts. And sometimes the facts aren't what we want to hear. Right. You know, and that's one thing I know for fucking fact that there are facts that people just do not want to fucking hear no matter how much you fucking debate them, you know? <sighs> so it's interesting to figure out how we get locked in these biases, but that's what we need to be careful of because those biases may stop us from looking for truth, mm-hmm. you know, and we need to challenge those truths and we need to say, Hey, maybe that's not actually true. Maybe that's not a real perception Maybe that's not an accurate perception of reality right. and take a step back and say, well, maybe my thinking is flawed and stuff. So final words. Um, just keep educating yourself. Keep thinking. Don't allow yourself to be caught. And when you find yourself within a group and you start to get that little twinge of like, oh, there's something funny going on here. Don't be afraid to question. Okay. Final words. And, uh, Paris, you know, we hope we know we make it through it. Beirut. I know Beirut's a big part of that. I know we keep leaving Beirut out of it, but, um, all of it, even all of it, but you know, and, and, but even, even for the Muslims, like, you know, we're not here to persecute you, you know, hopefully there's a way we could solve this ISIS problem and, and, you know, we can all somehow live together. And if not, then fucking, I don't know. There's fucking stupid cat videos if you want to watch them. So, (laughs) right. Anyways, I'm Ben Fama Jr. That was Reality Chip. Mesa, thank you for joining me today. So Always a pleasure. And we'll see you on the other side. Peace. You've been listening to Reality Trip with Ben Fama Jr. Check out more great content by visiting benfarmerjr.com. 